Hello and welcome to Research Roundup brought to you by the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4. I'm Christy Milley and each month we'll be looking at what's new in cancer in primary care research and I'll be talking to authors of recent publications and presentations. Today we're speaking with Professor Larissa Nekhladov, a Professor of Medicine at Harvard Medical School, a Primary Care Physician at Brigham and Women's Hospital, and Clinical Director of Internal Medicine for Cancer Survivors at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in the USA. We're also speaking with Professor Ray Chan, Director of the Caring Futures Institute and Professor of Cancer Nursing at Flinders University in South Australia. Together, they have published a new overview of systematic reviews that was published in the Journal of Cancer Survivorship, and it's about the effectiveness and implementation of models of survivorship care. So welcome, Larissa and Ray. Thank you. Great to be here. Same here. Thank you for having us. So I think a good place to start is to make sure that we're all on the same page. So what models of cancer survivorship care are there? When do they start and which healthcare providers are involved or can be involved? Yeah, thank you for the question, Christy. There, there are a range of uh, various practices out there, but they can, in general, be categorised into several types of models of care. The first one, which is the most prevalent one, is a specialist-led model of care. And then we have shared model of care, um, primary care, provider-led model of care, as well as nurse-led um, model of care. When we talk about when this model of care really start from a patient journey perspective, we don't really want to start this model of care and wait until the end of the acute cancer care encounter for three reasons. The first one is that nowadays um, with treatment advances, treatments really never end. Acute cancer treatment really never ends. And indeed, um, people would have this, this sort of prolonged period of um, encounters with the acute acute care setting. The second reason is that survivorship concern starts from the time of diagnosis in people affected by cancer. So we really want to make sure that um, this sort of coordinated way of, of caring for our patients really start right from the beginning. And really the third reason is that the later we leave it, the longer um, it will take for, I, I guess, the rest of the providers if, to, to get on board. Um, and as you can imagine, more, they need to be filled in on the happenings in the patient journey. So when we really reflect about when they start, um, they can start at any time, but um, the earlier, the better. And in terms of which healthcare providers are involved, they're sort of um, quite self-explanatory when, when we think about, you know, specialist-led um, shared care and primary care provider-led and nurse-led care. And, and with that, shared care is really, um, it does involve more than one type of the providers. Thanks, Ray. Why did you feel an overview of systematic reviews was needed for this topic? Yeah, Christy. So as you know, in uh, North America, Australia and Europe, there has been quite a bit of interest in evaluating models of cancer survivorship care and prior systematic reviews have been published. So our group comprised of cancer care specialists, primary care providers, nursing and other healthcare providers and researchers was interested in updating a systematic literature review in this field. And then what happened is that quite early in the process of our review, a new systematic review on models of care was published. And um, seeing that review made us rethink our strategy and instead of taking a different approach in our own systematic review, we instead decided to do an umbrella review or a systematic review of systematic reviews. 
And specifically, we aim to see what has been done, what outcomes were examined, and what the findings were. And really, in doing this, we were hoping to synthesize the full body of evidence, really with the goal of promoting implementation in actual clinical practice. And before we discuss the results of the paper, Larissa, you developed a a quality of cancer survivorship care framework, which underpinned the analysis of the studies that were identified in this overview of systematic reviews. Could you share a little bit about how the framework was developed and why? Yeah, um, so this is an interesting story, or, or at least I think so. Um, about um, five years ago, I was invited to give a talk, and specifically the meeting organizer asked me to provide insights about the progress made since the release of the, of the U.S. Institute of Medicine report on cancer survivorship, Lost in Transition, that had been published just 10 years prior. So um, in preparing the talk, I took a look back at the 10 recommendations that were made in the report and reviewed what had been done. And I found that progress had been made across the 10 recommendations. But what um, became clear is that one specific recommendation focusing on measuring quality of cancer survivorship care, really little progress had been made. And then um, fortuitously, um, a couple of years later, the National Cancer Institute in the U.S. was launching a new visiting scholar program, and I applied proposing to move this concept forward. And I was fortunate to have been offered a position as the inaugural visiting scholar. And then my project NCI really focused on developing this quality of cancer survivorship And specifically, the goal was to then apply this framework in a systematic way in clinical care uh, research and policy. And as you said, using this framework is exactly what we did in this overview paper. Thank you. So the, the review itself summarizes the results of 12 systematic reviews that represented 53 primary studies. Could you walk us through the key results And were there any effects of the models of cancer follow-up care on healthcare outcomes of patients? Sure, Christy. Um, I'll share with you what basically make no difference uh, when you sort of compare across all the models of care. The first one is around quality of life and also the subdomains of quality of life. Basically, when you look through all these types of models, um, all the systematic reviews and primary studies, when you sort of look at them all sort of collectively together, we know that there are no differences, whichever model of care you actually are being provided with. And um, there are also no differences in mortality. So these are the sort of two things that is very important um, to bear in mind in the background. And then what sort of seemed to be a slight difference is that of all the systematic reviews, one of them with a meta-analysis of six studies seems to indicate that there was a slight overall um, quality of life benefit when you compare nurse-led model of care with a specialist-led care led by an oncologist. So that, that is this one uh, result that we saw. When it comes to uh, satisfaction also, people who receive nurse-led care seem to uh, report uh, a higher levels of satisfaction. And when it comes to cost, nurse-led model of care and primary care provider-led model of care are significantly lower 
compared to specialist-led model of care. So these are sort of the gist of, of the findings. And in addition, what our team have done is to look through all these reviews and studies to look at what barriers and facilitators they are when people try to implement alternative models of care. And when I say alternative, we're sort of referring to specialist-led model of care being the mainstream, most prevalent model of care, and all the other types of model of care as alternative. And when we look at that, there are a range of barriers and facilitators that uh, people can really refer to and people can really think about when they think about implementing uh, some of these models of care that are suitable for this to the setting. Thanks, Ray. And Our last question is always about your take-home message. So what do you want listeners to take away from this review? And, you know, what are the implications for future research? How can we move from testing these models to implementing them? Sure, Christy. I might actually try to tackle this question from more of a clinical perspective, and I'll refer to Larissa to talk a little bit more about um, implication for research going forward. For clinicians and service providers who are planning or thinking through the models of care, uh, my recommendation would be be clear um, about what is on the menu. And today we have shared with you from a a pretty good size of the literature that um, there are no major differences, I guess, um, at least in quality of life and mortality. And in some instances, uh, nurse-led care and primary care provider-led care seems to, to be beneficial. It is a very, very important point to highlight that, then think through what is on the menu for them and thinking through uh, which model is actually suitable to their own individual setting and why. Just because nurse-led model of care seems to be a feasible model of care, it doesn't necessarily mean that that particular resource is available. Reach out to experts for help to implement uh, alternative. I would think that um, implementation science experts Um, survivorship models of care experts, it's very, very important to reach out to these resources if people are thinking throughout implementation because our work has has shown that there's really quite a bit of complexity when it comes to implementing care. The last tip that I have would be to encourage people to collect data along the way. When I say collect data, I think the type of data around implementation is very helpful. So for example, what are the types of preferences of the patients? How, when you decide to to implement a particular model of care, what is the reach? Uh, what is the uptick? If we wanted to develop and implement shared model of care between specialists and GPs, general practitioners, uh, how many people actually have a general practitioners um, to start off with? So, so I think some of those key questions. It is quite good for us to collect data along the way and actually let the practice or model of care actually evolve over time. Yeah, so I mean, I think just in general, I would say that my main takeaway is that um, while we may continue to develop and evaluate uh, models of cancer survivorship care, we need to focus on implementation, as Ray has just said. You know, really institutions caring for cancer survivors um, need to figure out what are the unique needs of their survivors, um, what resources they have, and um, just get it done. As our study found, it matters less who gets it done as long as we actually get it done. Um, And there's not one model of care. um, So we really need to, in my opinion, stop searching for the one um, and then just get something implemented, tested, um, and refined 
And then with regard to research, right? I mean, I think that we do still need to continue with research in this area um, to some extent. Um, but the important piece is that um, as we conduct research in this area, it's important for investigators to be very specific about the model of care that they are studying and what exactly is the intervention that they're studying. Um, they need to be very clear about the patient population that is being targeted. So where in the uh, cancer um, survivorship continuum these patients fall, what are their cancers, um, you know, what are their needs, etc. And then also um, be very clear and specific about outcomes. What our study found is that um, there is uh, lots of uh, research focusing on psychosocial outcomes in models of care. And these are clearly important, but there are other outcomes that um, really have not been well examined. And it's important that we take a sort of a more holistic view about um, models of care and the potential outcomes that they uh, may or may not impact. And um, Christy, if I may add, uh, thank you, Larissa, for the insights. If I may add to in terms of what other research may be required, our team has been really looking into policy research and systems thinking research. And what we found is that while certain organizations might actually think that a shared care model might actually be an optimal way and quite suitable for their setting, but what they still require is the rest of the system to really facilitate that. So so what we have been really looking at is the cost effectiveness for certain models. And so we could actually try to influence policy for reimbursement for GPs to be, um, to be engaged in some of these models. And how does sort of workforce training, IT communication tools and et cetera, et cetera, how the health systems actually uh, really work together to facilitate whatever models of care that the organization chooses to use. So I think that that is another area of focus when it comes to future research as well. So once again, that menu that people can access to on offer, they know that the system is supporting uh, whatever their choice may be. Wonderful. Thank you, Ray. That's great. Well, thank you both for joining us today and and great work as well. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for downloading Research Roundup produced by PC4. You can access the articles and other information in our show notes. Please let us know what you think about this episode by emailing us at info at pc4tg.com.au or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at PC4TG. And there's also our website, which is pc4tg.com.au.